Hi, my name is Mukuka Chipanta. I'm an aerospace engineer and the award-winning author of the novel A Casualty of Power. I'd like to invite you to listen to my new podcast entitled Kutika, which means listen in Bemba. Kutika is a collection of short stories written by me and adapted for radio. Each time, I use a different actor to narrate one of my short stories. They are all works of fiction that tackle topical social issues affecting Africa today. The stories are modern, entertaining, and fun, and sometimes quite sobering. I hope you enjoy them. Kutika can be downloaded for free on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, or post a review. It helps others find it, as well as maintain our sponsors. With that said, here we go. A Home Blessing A short story written by Mukuka Chipanta and performed by Nene Nwoko. Part 6 The very first thing Mama Harriet did when she arrived back home was to check on the state of her bathroom. She examined the mirror to make sure there were no speckles on it, checked the color of the grout between the tiles, and raised the toilet seat to make sure Zelda had cleaned underneath it thoroughly. Satisfied, she stepped back into her bedroom where Charles was snoring away on top of the bed, his mouth agape. She stared at him for a moment, disgust prickling her nostrils. How different her life would have been had she not made the mistake of marrying him. Even so, Harriet knew all too well that in this society, a woman was not respected without the gravitas of a man by her side. Even a useless one was better than no man at all. Mama Harriet moved to the dresser in the corner of the room. It was a heavy piece of furniture carved out of expensive mukua wood. An heirloom passed down to her from her late father, who had worked as a clerk at the district office during British colonial rule. Furniture nowadays was nowhere near as sturdy as it was back then. She pulled out a key from deep inside her handbag and unlocked the bottom drawer. She reached into the back, sent her fingers foraging for a moment in the dark, and pulled out a small diary with a rubber band wrapped around it then walked back into the light of the bathroom. She removed the band and opened it. Nestled in between the middle pages was a green and purple national identification card bearing the picture of Zelda Patina Sondashi. At the kitchen sink the next day, Zelda wrung out a red and white checkered tea towel and watched the white soap suds slip through her fingers into the drain. She paused for a moment to wipe away tears from her cheeks with the outside of her forearms. All through the day, the sluices opened in fits and spots and she descended into uncontrollable sobs. The memory of the previous afternoon stuck to her like a large ink blot on a white garment. She could still feel the weight of him on top of her, his vile, wet breath pressing against her face. She cringed. 
her grip tightened on the wet cloth in her hands. Earlier that morning, she had avoided him. She was convinced that the mere sight of him would have sucked the air out of her lungs. She had prepared tea and toast for him and Mama Harriet and set it on the dining room table, then disappeared into the back of the kitchen to clean the floors. Only when she was certain that he had left for work did she emerge. Mama Harriet issued her usual string of instructions about the housework that needed to be done. The drapes in the kitchen and bedrooms needed to be washed, the refrigerator wiped down, the laundry done, and the floors waxed. Right before she walked out of the house to go to her job in town, she eyed Zelda from head to toe. What's the matter with you today? Zelda did everything to fight back the tears in her eyes, biting the inside of her cheeks long enough to muster a soft shake of the head. Nothing, ma. I am fine, ma. Before Harriet walked out of the kitchen, she turned and hauled a patting statement in an uncharacteristically nonchalant manner. And oh, by the way, I will be home late again today. I have some very important business to attend to. So make sure you prepare dinner for Bashichali to eat when he comes back. Wa There was a curious smirk on Mama Harriet's face, which Zelda noticed but ignored, focusing instead on the stomach-churning realization that she would once again find herself alone with him. Harriet could scarcely concentrate on her job. As assistant manager at the local ShopRite grocery store, It was Harriet's responsibility to deal with customer complaints. But today, she was not in the mood for any of that. All she could think about was how she would expose Father Emmanuel and Zelda's affair and put an end to the indecency that had infected St. Augustine's parish. For a fleeting moment, a sober thought entered her mind. Would she have felt the same if Father Emmanuel had been more receptive to her flirtations? Was it spite that was driving her? Was she jealous that he preferred a lowly housemaid to her? Harriet brushed the idea out of her head like a bothersome fly. No, she would not stand by and watch her church being led by a philandering priest. What sort of Christian would she be? The Bible was clear about such things. Right was right and wrong was wrong. There was nothing more to it. Mama Harriet checked her wrist before pacing the floor behind the checkout counters again. He would be here any moment now. It was only the previous night that Mpande, the parish office clerk, had spilled the beans about what he learned from the night watchman. They had waited for the elderly sentry to report for his shift. Meshach Banda arrived just before six o'clock that evening and Harriet peppered him with questions about what he had observed a few nights before. Meshach had been reluctant at first, his bloodshot eyes betraying his fear of being implicated in something bigger than him. Harriet assured Meshach that no harm would come to him and that the information he provided would be treated with the strictest confidence. Finally, Meshach described how a distraught young woman had knocked on the gate in search of Father Emmanuel. He said he thought it curious that someone would come calling at that time of the night, and even more curious that it was a woman. Describe her to me. What did she look like? 
Harriet pressed, but the old man had failed to provide a definite description. Harriet asked for more details. Tell me exactly what you saw and where you saw the two of them. The night watchman hesitated, but after being pressed, he finally revealed all that he had seen. He had gone to use the outdoor toilets in the back of the yard. On his way back, he used the cobbled footpaths that led past the window to Father Emmanuel's office. It was through a slit in the curtains that he saw the two of them, Father Emmanuel and the woman, locked in an intimate embrace and doing things that the watchman was too embarrassed to speak about. He said they were things that should only be done in the sacred privacy of a man and woman's marital home. Harriet now had most of the proof she needed, a witness who saw with his own eyes what Father Emmanuel had been up to. But there was one last thing she had to make certain of. She had to confirm that the woman Mishek Banda had seen on that night was indeed her maid Zelda. It was with that purpose in mind that Mama Harriet had arranged for Mishek to stop by her office the following day on his way to work. She would have him identify Zelda from the national registration card that was now nestled inside her purse. Once he identified her, Harriet would be able to go directly to Archbishop Kampamba himself. Filling the office of parish priest of St. Augustine, albeit in an acting capacity at the young age of 34, was an impressive achievement by any measure. Father Emmanuel Zimba sat behind his desk as he contemplated this salient fact. Ever since he was a boy, all he wanted to do was help others, to speak for the voiceless and stand up for the weary. In his late teens, Emmanuel had latched on to the idea of the priesthood after one of the missionary priests at his boarding school, Father Jonathan Bradley, had spoken to him about it. Father Jonathan, a Franciscan, spoke about the virtues of living a pious life, devoted solely to the service of the Lord. Like many a young person, Father Emmanuel viewed life in discrete white and black, good versus bad, right versus wrong, instead of the blurry grace that come with age. To Emmanuel, proper service of the Lord meant giving oneself completely and utterly without distraction. At that time, the priesthood appeared to be the only way he could be true to this mission throughout his life. And so it was, at the tender age of 32, that Emmanuel had been ordained a Catholic priest. Under different circumstances, this would have been a humbling and exciting moment. The Archbishop had shown great confidence in him, and it was truly a great opportunity to help even more people than he could have as a junior priest. However, it was bittersweet. He felt guilt and regret over Father Chandamfula's unceremonious departure, and most of all, he was conflicted about what to do concerning the woman he loved. Was this also part of God's plan, to put him in such a predicament? What pleasure did the Creator derive from tormenting him so? As he twisted and turned in his chair, ruminating over his unfortunate circumstances, Father Emmanuel was interrupted by a knock on the door. Meshach Banda had an awkward language frame. 
he stood nervously just inside the entrance of the store. The cool, conditioned air was a welcome respite from the heat outside. He did not frequent such places. His paltry wages would not allow it. Mama Harriet eyed the night watchman from a distance before quickly making her way past shopping carts to meet him. Moase Inipo, Vamishek, she greeted him with an expectant smile. Showing him the way, she invited him into her office. Mishek looked uncomfortable sitting in the wooden chair facing Mama Harriet. He clutched a threadbare woven cap in his hand above his chest. A distinct odor of smoke and wood clung to him. Harriet dug into her red purse and pulled out a purple and green identity card that fit inside her palm. She held it in front of Mishek. The old man took his time to examine the card carefully before nodding. He agreed this was the woman he had let through the gates that night, the same one he had seen through the curtains of Father Emmanuel's office. Emmanuel could tell right away that something was horribly wrong when Zelda entered the room. She looked shaken. She recoiled when he attempted to embrace her, as if the mere touch of his hands would cause her pain. Zelda, what is it? What's happened? Emmanuel's heart was already racing inside his chest. He attempted to touch her again, this time laying a hand gently over her shoulders. He could feel her trembling. Zelda, Zelda, my love, what's happened? Please, tell me what's wrong. Harriet sat in the passenger seat of a taxi. She turned the knob on a car stereo, lowering the volume. The young driver flashed her a glance, but he dared not protest. 45 minutes was a rather lengthy and expensive journey to take using a taxi. But under the circumstances, Mama Harriet felt it was warranted. She had to see Archbishop Kampamba without delay. She cast her eyes through the windscreen at the road ahead. They were almost there. Harriet had called the Archbishop's office from a telephone on her desk at work. She told his secretary that she had urgent business to discuss with His Holiness. It was a good thing Mama Harriet knew Archbishop Kampamba personally. Over the years, she had helped sponsor no less than five seminarians on their journeys into priesthood. Such good works do not go unnoticed. The Archbishop's secretary penciled her in to see him at 6.15 p.m. Harriet dipped her hand into her purse and took out a little black Nokia cell phone. It was a Christmas gift from her daughter but she rarely used it. Other than checking the time and receiving the occasional phone call from her daughter, Harriet found little use for it. She pressed a button, but the thing would not spark to life. She sucked her teeth. What is wrong with it? The cab driver turned his head and gave her a wry smile. You have to charge it, auntie. It looks like your battery is dead. She sucked her teeth again and threw it back into her handbag. I just want to know the time. What time is it? The young man put a hand into his left pocket, the other steady on the wheel. 6.04. They soon turned into the dusty street, leading to the Archdiocese building. 
Charles was already lightheaded when he walked into the house. The place was dark. Not a single light was on. The first name that came to his tongue was Zelda. Where was she? Flipping on the lights in the living room, he walked through the adjoining dining room and into the kitchen. Zelda! Zelda! Where is that girl? There was no response. His eyes went from the kitchen table to the stove to the empty countertops. There was no food prepared for him. He felt a rumble inside his stomach. He wished he had eaten something when he was at the bar. But he had expected to find a warm plate of pap waiting for him when he got home. Charles walked up to the refrigerator. It was humming away in the otherwise silent house. He pulled it open. There was nothing. Only a few brown bottles of beer that he had left for the weekend. He cursed. What kind of evening was this? A man could not come home and find a hot meal ready for him after a hard day's work? He should fire that girl. His mind went back to the previous evening and he felt a rise in his laurels as he remembered how she had felt and how he had missed the smell, the supple texture of a woman. His reverie was soon supplanted by a hot wave of anger as he thought about how his wife, Harriet, had denied him that which all men need. How she had systemically taken pleasure in emasculating him over the years with her lack of respect. The way she spoke to him. How she looked at him with disdain etched in her face. Ruined the day she had agreed to marry him. He knew these things. He felt them in his bones. What does a man have if even his own wife cannot find pride in him? Charles reached for a beer. He drank it down in three gulps and then reached for another. The strain on Archbishop Kampamba's face was evident. He could hardly believe what he was hearing. What infuriated him the most was the fact that he would have to once again make a decision about whether or not to remove a head priest from the same parish in barely a week. How could this be, and how would it reflect on his leadership? Harriet sat across from him, a look of quiet satisfaction glistening on her face. Aweshua, it really pains me to deliver such news to you. Mwemfumu, but it is the truth, and I have the evidence to prove it. There is a confirmed and reliable witness to it. She watched him digest the bitter piece of information. Mwemfumu, it is an absolute scandal, especially after what just happened with Father Chandamfula. That is why I thought it best to deliver the news to you personally and without delay. Archbishop Kampamba shifted himself closer to his desk. He rubbed his chin silently for a moment, deep in thought. You have done well to come to me with this news, Mama Harriet. I am grateful, as always, for your unwavering service to the church. Indeed, we need more parishioners like you. He paused. Mama Harriet, I must ask, who else knows about this? Only me, the night watchman who witnessed it, and Mpande, the office clerk. I made sure to get their word that this must be kept in the strictest confidence. 
I warned them of serious consequences if the story were to get out. The bishop gave a short sigh of relief. Good, Mama Harriet. I think it best that we keep it that way for now, at least until I can get to the bottom of these allegations. Harriet sat up in her chair. Yes, but Archbishop, this matter must be dealt with right away. The situation could get out of hand in a matter of hours. Even though I warned Bahamishek and Mpande not to talk, we cannot be certain that others have not seen or heard something. Action must be taken now. Charles had tried calling his wife on her cell phone several times. Each time, he got the same message. The subscriber you are trying to reach is outside the coverage area or has their phone switched off. He began to hear voices inside his head. They whispered relentlessly as he sat in his armchair drinking. They were mocking him. What kind of man was he to let his wife treat him like he was nothing? Where was his wife right now? Right at this very minute. Charles cursed under his breath. He took another swig of his beer. He knew exactly where she was, all right, at that blasted parish council office where she spent most of her time. Didn't she know he needed her to be a wife in this house? One of the voices cackled loudly. You fool! She's probably seeing somebody on the parish committee, probably in his arms at this very minute, while you sit here alone in a dark, foodless house. Charles staggered to his feet, holding himself up against his chair. He had had enough. Enough of the disrespect, the neglect. He would not play second fiddle in his own home. He had to go there right away this very minute. He had to show her who was the man of the house. On the drive back to St. Augustine's Parish Council office, Archbishop Kampamba said very little. It was Mama Harriet who did most of the talking. All the way, Harriet fed her carefully crafted message to the leader of the Archdiocese. You are doing the right thing, Mwemfumu, she kept on saying. Such matters have to be dealt with right away before they fester and grow out of control. They reached the gates of the parish council complex around 7.30 in the evening. It was pitch black outside, but for the fluorescent security lamps high up near the rooftops. Mishak Panda leaned forward to see who was in the driver's seat of the white Toyota Hilux. When the window was lowered, Mishak removed his cap at once, holding it over his chest. It was Harriet who asked from across the passenger seat, Chungolova Mishak, is Baafada Emmanuel here? The old watchman nodded his head and stepped back. There was an air of regret about him as he moved to open the gate. There was a long driveway to the carport next to the building, but the archbishop chose to park near the gate so that he could talk with Mishak. The two men conversed for several minutes, Harriet lingering a little distance away, unable to catch their whole conversation. Moments later, the three of them, Archbishop Kampamba, Mama Harriet, and Mishek, were walking towards the office building. When the door flung open, 
Father Emmanuel and Zelda were locked in each other's arms in the middle of a sofa against the wall. They were visibly startled, both of them immediately letting go of each other and springing to their feet. Zelda's chin sank to her chest, and Emmanuel raised a hand into the air as if to ward off a blinding light. Bishop Kampamba! Meshach stood behind the bishop and Mama Harriet. Harriet pointed an accusing finger in Zelda's direction. I knew it! What a devil you are! Seducing a priest! A man of God! There was disgust etched in her voice and on her face. There's a special place in hell for the likes of you. Zelda was trembling, her shoulders hunched forward. Instinctively, Father Emmanuel reached out and placed a gentle hand on her shoulder. Zelda, Zelda, Father Emmanuel said, attempting to soothe her. Father Emmanuel, the archbishop bellowed. Harriet sucked her teeth loudly. Look at them. No shame. Absolutely no shame at all. The archbishop was beside himself. Father Emmanuel, you will step away from that girl immediately. Father Emmanuel looked up towards his superior with tears welling up in his eyes. But Bishop, I can explain. You don't understand. She, she's been... But the Archbishop was not having any of it. I said step away from her at once. Emotion swelled through the room like an almighty storm. Just when tensions seemed to have reached their zenith, Harriet's husband ambled through the doorway from behind them. I won't take it anymore, Harriet. Everyone in the room turned to face Charles. Why, she, Charlie? What are you doing? Harriet began. But before she could finish her sentence, Father Emmanuel had traversed the breadth of the room and in the blink of an eye, he had his hand circled around Charles's neck, thrusting him into the wall. The women screamed. The archbishop and the night watchman scrambled to pry Father Emmanuel from Charles's throat. But the young priest had the strength of a man possessed by a fiery rage. Dear Archbishop Evaristo Campamba, It has taken me five months of reflection and several drafts to finally write this letter. I am reminded of my wise old grandfather, who once told me that there are no better words to start a conversation than, I am sorry. Most Reverend Archbishop, I am truly sorry and I pray for your forgiveness for my actions that were unbecoming of a man pledged to the service of our Lord. The five months you gave me away from that church have allowed me to do a great deal of introspection. I have asked myself countless times what led me to do what I did. After much thought and prayer, I can only come up with one answer and that is vanity. I realize now that I had lost sight of what all followers of Christ must do, which is to listen to the Lord's direction and remove oneself as an obstacle. If we do that, then we invariably find a firm footing, regardless of the challenges we face in this life. I recognize that it was my vanity that led me to lie, to cheat, and to seek personal gratification above Christ's calling. 
I now sorely regret my selfish actions, and I will bear the burden of my mistakes for as long as I walk on God's green earth. Archbishop Kampamba, even though I feel remorse for yielding to the spell of vanity, I do not regret my deep and sincere affection for Zelda Petina Sondashi. A man or woman cannot choose who or when to love. I know now that true love is an insatiable force as mighty and as pure as the Holy Spirit itself. To separate myself from Zelda would be akin to severing each one of my limbs and tossing myself into the raging waters of the Zambezi River. I would not and could not survive without her. Archbishop, I do not want you to believe that I take lightly the vows that I made during my ordination into the priesthood. The promises of chastity and obedience are things that I take very seriously. However, what is to say that a man's vocation in life remains constant? Is it wrong for one to serve his God in one capacity and then change, like the seasons, to serve him in a different way? Cannot a priestly calling be given to you at one stage in life and then marriage with family at another? Bishop, I believe that the God we serve is greater than the human barriers we try to erect around him. Archbishop Kampamba, it is for these reasons that I, with eyes and hearts fully open, have decided to tender my resignation from the priesthood so that I might serve God in the vocation of marriage to my beloved Zelda. It is my sincere hope and prayer that you will find it in your heart to recognize and accept my decision. Respectfully, Father Emmanuel Zimba, Acting Parish Priest of St. Augustine Parish. And so as the crowd gathered, they brought a woman who had been caught in adultery forward and asked, Rabbi, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. According to the law which Moses commanded to us, we should stone such women, the penalty being death itself. So what do you say? He bent quietly to his feet and began to write with his finger on the ground. Eager to ensnare, they continued to ask him until he stood up and said to them, Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And with that, he bent down again to the ground, and once more he continued to write with his finger in the sand. There was murmuring in the crowd as a sense of disquiet began to grow amongst them. Then, slowly, one by one, beginning with the older ones, they began to leave until he was left alone with the woman standing before him. The End If you like this story, please subscribe and leave us a rating or post a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me at Chipanta Mukuka on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out my website, mukukachipanta.com, for updates and information about my upcoming events. Until next time, stay tuned. Stay tuned.